verses 15 to 26. Now, it was the governor's custom at the festival to release a prisoner chosen by the crowd. At that time, they had a well-known prisoner whose name was Jesus, Barabbas. So when the crowd had gathered, Pilate asked them, Which do you want me to release to you, Jesus, Barabbas, or Jesus, who is called the Messiah? For he knew it was out of self-interest that they had handed Jesus over to him. While Pilate was sitting on the judge's seat, his wife sent him this message. Don't have anything to do with that innocent man, for I have suffered a great deal today in a dream because of him. But the chief priests and the elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas and to have Jesus executed. Which of the two do you want me to release to you? asked the governor. Barabbas, they answered. What shall I do then with Jesus, who is called the Messiah? Pilate asked. They all answered, Crucify him. Why? What crime has he committed? asked Pilate. But they shouted all the louder, Crucify him. When Pilate saw that he was getting nowhere, but that instead an uproar was starting, he took water and washed his hands in front of the crowd. I am innocent of this man's blood, he said. It is your responsibility. All the people answered, His blood is on us and on our children. Then he released Barabbas to them. But he had Jesus flogged and handed him over to be crucified. In Matthew 27, 15 to 26, we read about a prisoner exchange, one man taking the place of another. In this particular instance, a man who was guilty was released and managed to escape the punishment that was coming his way. Ordinarily, an exchange is where we give something and receive something of the same kind in return. Exchanges are meant to be equal and fair. But this exchange was anything but equal or fair. Jesus, the Prince of Peace, took the place of Barabbas, a violent insurrectionist, and died his place on the cross. The great reformer Martin Luther has been credited with labelling this event as the great exchange. The innocent one, Jesus, became guilty so that the guilty might become innocent. New Testament theologian N.T. Wright suggested, the story of Barabbas invites us to see Jesus' crucifixion in terms of a stark personal exchange. Barabbas deserves to die. Jesus dies instead and he goes free. All four Gospels reference this great exchange of Jesus for Barabbas. However, the Bible is silent on telling us what happened to Barabbas after he was released on that Good Friday Jesus went to the cross. 
What the Bible writers do speak about is the kind of person Barabbas was. We get an extensive character sketch throughout the four Gospels. Matthew called him a notorious sinner, a prisoner. And they had a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. Mark described him as a rebel. Among the rebels in prison who had committed murder in the insurrection, there was a man called Barabbas. Luke let us know that Barabbas was a man who had been thrown into prison for an insurrection started in the city and for murder. In Acts, Luke spoke of Barabbas as a murderer, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. But you denied the Holy and Righteous One and asked for a murderer to be granted to you. Pilate tried to release Jesus, but he was overcome by the crowd's insistence that he release Barabbas instead. Notice the description of Barabbas in John 18. Pilate said to Jesus, What is truth? After he had said this, he went back outside to the Jews and told them, I find no guilt in him, but you have a custom that I should release one man for you at Passover. So do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? They cried out again, not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a robber. The word John used to describe Barabbas as a robber is lestes. While lestes can mean robber, it is probably more accurate to say that the word refers to someone who's an insurrectionist, a freedom fighter, someone who rebels against the authorities. In fact, the same word lestes is translated as insurrection in Mark 15:7 and Luke 23:19. Biblical scholar D.A. Carson noted, neither theft nor violent robbery was a capital offence, but insurrection was. Revolts and bloodshed fostered by guerrilla action were common and Barabbas had been caught. In the eyes of many of the people, he would not be a notorious villain, but a hero. The reason Barabbas may have been viewed by some as a hero was because the Israelites were sick and tired of the oppression caused by the Roman Empire. What Jewish man had not at least considered what it would be like to lead a rebellion against Rome? In fact, this is what the Jews were hoping the Messiah would do, the very thing that Barabbas had done. Perhaps Barabbas had become so fed up with the oppression and the circumstances that he did what others were afraid to do. Some may have seen Barabbas as a Messiah, as a saviour who was trying to rescue them from the oppression of the Roman Empire. An interesting thing to note is regarding Barabbas' name. Some translations only refer to him as Barabbas. Pam read from us this morning from Matthew 27. That's from the 2011 NIV version. Many of you might have the 1984 version. 
If you look in your 1984 version, you will find that he is only referred to as Barabbas, not Jesus Barabbas. The reason for this, uh, and it's important to note that the name Jesus was a very common name at the time. When the church fathers were putting the canon together, they felt how on earth could a criminal share the same name as our, of our Lord and Saviour? And so many translations omit the, the, the former word Jesus in front of Barabbas, and he is only referred to as Barabbas. However, there is substantial manuscript evidence that confirms that his real name was Jesus Barabbas. And if this is the case, then Pilate's question is very pointed. You see, the crowd is being presented with two different types of saviour. The name Jesus means one who saves. And in this moment, the people are offered two different types of saviours. There is one saviour who they expected, the saviour who would lead a rebellion, a saviour who would overthrow the empire through violence and murder. And then we have a very different kind of saviour, a saviour of a different kind of kingdom, a kingdom of peace, a kingdom of love, a kingdom that operated on very different rules and understandings. The crowd, stirred up by the Jewish priests, chose Barabbas. Whether Barabbas was regarded as a hero or a notorious villain, he was, as the Gospels suggest, involved in insurrection and murder within the city. And such crimes were punished by crucifixion. And this was a way of the Roman Empire continuing to enforce its rule and its strong arm. The cruelty of crucifixion was supposed to send shivers down people's spines to deter anyone from ever trying to do the exact thing that Barabbas was doing, cause an insurrection. Some scholars suggest that the two men crucified with Jesus may have been part of the insurrection with Barabbas. Matthew 27, 38 hints at this. Then two robbers, the same word that is used for Barabbas, were crucified with him, that's Jesus, one on the right and one on the left. It's likely that these two criminals, either side of Jesus were being crucified because they, like Barabbas, were part of an insurrection against Rome. They weren't being crucified because they stole something from a neighbour. They were involved in something much grander than mere robbery. D.A. Carson suggested the fact that three crosses were prepared strongly suggests that Pilate already had ordered that preparations be made 
for the execution of three rebels. If so, Jesus the Messiah actually took the place of the rebel Jesus Barabbas because the people referred the political rebel and nationalist hero to the Son of God. If that was indeed the case, Jesus probably was crucified on the very cross that had been prepared for the alternate saviour, Jesus Barabbas. As Barabbas's character in the scene we just watched said, he took my place and this changes everything. Of course, there's some creative licence in these videos and we don't know what his response was. But what a thought that the cross that was constructed for him was replaced by an innocent man. It truly was a great exchange. It's interesting to note that the name Barabbas means son of the father. There's irony in that Barabbas, the one called son of the father, was released while Jesus, the true son of the father, was executed and sent to his death. In those days, the people who heard the story of Barabbas likely identified with the man who rebelled against Rome, was captured and sentenced to die, and then was freed. N.T. Wright suggested that the Jewish people during that time might have pondered the story of the guilty man freed and the innocent man crucified. The Jewish people may have seen Barabbas as someone relatable because of his hatred of the Roman oppression. They may have looked upon him and thought, there but the grace of God go I. Pilate couldn't believe that the crowd wanted Barabbas released instead of Jesus. Over and over in the Gospels, we see Pilate expressing Jesus' innocence during the trials in Matthew. What evil has he done? In John, I find no guilt in him. And again, I find no guilt in him. We see that repeated. It's interesting to note that Pilate had the authority to not only judge Jesus innocent and release him, but he could have also fulfilled the custom of the time and released Barabbas as well. It was in Pilate's power to release both men at the same time if he so desired. He could have released Jesus Barabbas based on their custom of releasing a guilty prisoner each time at the Passover, and he could have released Jesus based on his innocence. Mark's account gives us insight as to why Pilate ultimately chose to release Barabbas and condemn Jesus to death. And they cried out again, crucify him. And Pilate said to them, why? What evil has he done? But they shouted all the more, crucify him. So Pilate, wishing to satisfy the crowd, released for them Barabbas. 
Although Pilate stated over and over that he believed Jesus to be innocent, he wanted to, to satisfy the crowd more than he was prepared to stand by his convictions. The politics of the day superseded principles for Pilate. John's Gospel goes so far as to state that Pilate's desire to release Jesus caused the Jewish people to question Pilate's political loyalties to Caesar. If you release this man, you are not Caesar's friend. Everyone who makes himself a king opposes Caesar. And with such political threats from the swelling Jewish mob, Pilate satisfied the crowds rather than doing what he believed to be right. Have politics overtaken principle in your life? Human nature is to be liked. And often because we want to be liked, we trade principle for politics. It's exactly what we see in this account. Who are the crowds in your life who are influencing your decisions? Who are the voices you listen to? Who are the voices you pay most attention to? Which voice holds the stronger sway in your life? The voice of the one who is leading a kingdom of peace and justice and righteousness? Or are they the voices of this world, voices of greed, of self-interest, of ego, of pride? of control. We've all at times found ourselves compromising by listening to the voice of the crowd rather than doing what we know is right. We are all guilty at times for staying quiet when we know we should speak up for the truth. Pilate's insecurities and fear led him to have Jesus whipped and sent off to his death. The great exchange was underway. Listen again to those haunting words from Barabbas in the video clip. He took my place and this changes everything. The march to the cross was filled with anguish that should have been Barabbas's pain and suffering. It should have been ours. Biblical scholar William Hendrickson said, It must, however, be borne in mind that the suffering of the man of sorrows was not only intense, but also vicarious. Remember the Isaiah 53 passage Jesus so identified with on our behalf. 
but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his stripes we are healed. This is a prophecy from Isaiah about Jesus, and it leads to Barabbas, and it leads to us. The Apostle Peter would later recall the same vicarious suffering that Jesus endured at the great exchange. He bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. It should have been Barabbas tortured and led to death on the cross of Calvary. It should have been you. It should have been me. But instead, the great exchange took place. N.T. Wright said, this is in fact the climax and focus of the whole gospel. All sinners, all rebels, all the human race are invited to see themselves as a figure of Barabbas. And as we do, we discover that the story of Jesus comes to take our place under condemnation for sins and wickedness, great and small. God's mercy reaches out where human mercy could not not only sharing, but in this case, substituting for in the sinner's fate. Perhaps the question posed by Pilate echoed in the ears, heart and life of Barabbas for years after that mercy-filled day. Then what shall I do with Jesus, who is called Christ. This is the most inescapable question that every human being must face. We don't know what Barabbas did in response to his release, in response to his freedom. Perhaps he continued to live a notorious life of sin. Perhaps, as the scene suggested, this changed everything for Barabbas. We don't know what Barabbas did with the great exchange, the original recipient. But ultimately, this morning, it does not matter what Barabbas chose to do with that great exchange. The question is, what will you do with the great exchange. What will you say to Jesus, who is the Christ, who went to the cross on your behalf? Will you continue to live your life under your terms without any change? Will you continue to heed the voice of the crowd or will you listen to the voice of truth and accept what took place at the Great Exchange? The Apostle Paul summed up the Great Exchange in 2 Corinthians 5.21, which states, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness 
of God. Friends, the great exchange awaits you. If you allow Jesus to take all your pain and suffering caused by sin, you can take on the righteousness of God and have a fresh start and live the life that God always intended you to live. A life free from bondage and shame and condemnation and regret. A life that is open to not only a second chance, but a third and a fourth and a fifth and a sixth and a seventh and a 70 times seven chance. The great exchange was made for you. The great exchange was made for me. Don't delay in this most important decision. Men and women, will you choose to make Jesus Christ your King, your Lord and your Saviour? Jesus took your place, our place, and this changes everything. stand.